So tonight we will continue the exploration of Theravada Vipassana practice. Uh, and in Theravada Vipassana practice, you look into your immediate experience, or you work with the present moment. And you have an insight by looking into what is called the three characteristics Anicca, Dukkha, Anatta. Anicca, impermanence, the vibrational nature. Dukkha, it's not going to satisfy you, whatever it is, whatever there is in your experience, it's not going to satisfy you. And Anatta, it's not you. So Anatta, the, the insight into no self. That's it. You you don't need to you you don't need to uh, know more. It, it, it's really as simple as that. This is the teaching. It's changing. It's not satisfying you. It's not you. And you don't need to rely on anything else. So you, you rely on, on, on you rely on your own introspection. The mind who's powerfully able to do that of course needs to be trained a bit in shamatha. So that's shamatha is in itself not sufficient for awakening but it's necessary. Almost all Buddhist traditions agree upon that. So once you have understood uh, how to have an insight into the three characteristics, and it is really simple, you don't need to have a PhD to understand that, then the reason why it's not working is because you're not doing the work, I mean, you're not sitting on your ass. And second, your mind is not stable enough. Yeah, but that can be remedied quite quickly. So within a few weeks, uh, you can, you can uh, reach a, a certain level of uh, stability in your meditation, uh, so stable attention, and then, and then you do it. So last time I talked about Anicca, and to, tonight I will talk a bit about, in the first half, talk about uh, Dukkha, and Anatta, and then after the break there will be space for questions, so whatever you want to ask about your own practice or of, of what I said, so there will be time for that. These three characteristics, they are not really separate from each other, so they kind of overlap, so like Let's say, if you have an insight into the non-static nature 
of whatever you experience, then it becomes obvious that's not going to satisfy you. Because it will pass. And then what? Then you're then you're looking for the next thing. Yeah, so and also since if you have an insight into the vibrational nature of everything, then to assume that there's a solid separate self, a solid separate I does not make sense. So it's a kind of conceptual separation uh, of the same thing, the three characteristics, and it makes sense, and one can emphasize one of them a bit, but they are kind of in each other. A genuine insight into impermanence is almost also an insight into no-self. Almost. It needs to be spit. Something needs to be added, but it's almost... So if you now would just spend a few years uh, in uh, looking into into impermanence, th that will that would be a, a big deal. So uh, that would be uh, there would be a lot of insights coming from that. Okay, so let's take 15 minutes or so for some uh, settling and then again a short mental bonding process for those who can connect with that kind of practices. If not, then you just uh, continue with uh, an inside practice into, in, into your inner life. And then, and then also in the end, um, you know, introducing the Mahayana motivation, because also we are looking, we are looking at a Theravada practice, a Hinayana practice right now that will change. But uh, right now, still, we do it within the Mahayana framework. Still, we do it as practitioners of the bodhisattva path and so that's um, that's what i would like to kind of introduce or inspire you let's take a few moments to first adjusting your posture checking checking in If you like, you can close your eyes for that. If, you are, if your eyes is, are open and you keep the gaze relaxed without particularly looking at something. And you start simply by paying a bit more attention to your inner life, to your body, It's a gentle sliding into presence. So you don't need to push or do something particular. 
just a few moments of being quietly with yourself doing nothing and noticing how you feel noticing what you bring with you then in your own pace you notice that there's a shift from the head into the body you could even slide down into your feet your hands, your belly, if it helps you, you can slide on the in-breaths. could be that what you find in your experience is not that great you wish it would be different and what we explore here is what happens when you let that be okay and you just notice you just become aware Thoughts continue to arise, but they become less important. Instead, the sense of aliveness, the breathing, comes to the foreground. And thoughts go into peripheral awareness. You notice how the chair or the floor carries you and you let yourself be carried And it is possible, perhaps, then with the out-breath, to release or to soften some of the tension, some of the effort. So that your whole body opens a bit, just a tiny little bit. Mm. 
Then if you notice that you get entangled into the stream of thinking, without hurry and gently, you drop back into the belly, the breath. And then we call upon a mentor, or a few of them. Important here is that it is meaningful for you. So it can be people you know, or people who are just inspiring. For us here, it makes sense to call upon the Buddha, the Karmapa, the Dalai Lama. And you feel their presence in front of you, as if they are here, as, as if they just stepped into the room with their gentleness, but also with their mighty silence, the loving spaciousness. You hear their voice, you feel their loving gaze and their smile. Their presence fills your whole body, like taking a bath, a warm bath, in loving-kindness. They are like angels, bodhisattva angels. If you have something unresolved in your heart, you just hold it into that light or into that warmth, surrendering. by sitting in that warmth, you become more and more like them. And if you get distracted, you come back to the body. You don't need to force anything. If nothing much happens, then you just leave it as it is. Just be yourself as you are just now.
then your mantras they dissolve into that warmth or into that light it enters your body in your chest at your heart level and you become aware of the Buddha inside the Dalai Lama inside the source of your wisdom and the source of your kindness you could imagine a Dalai Lama in there or a Buddha Tara and the warmth and the light of the Buddha fills your chest and then the whole body and then it radiates out through the pores of your skin and perhaps you can shift your sense of, of identity away from the miserable eye to the Buddha eye, to the Buddha inside to the source so when you feel I or you think I you connect with the inner light with the inner stillness that inner light holds the miserable eye shines on the miserable eye so you feel that you are a source of warmth you even have a scent of loving-kindness around you like roses
remember the Buddha inside, the goddess inside. She's always there, undestructible, uncorruptible, and you can always turn to her. the inner stillness, the inner loving stillness, the eye in the storm. And then, at the end of this meditation, I invite you to search or connect with the direction in your life what are you here for knowing that you're going to die soon what do you want to use this unique, precious wildlife for. What is important? Maybe within that question you can connect again a bit with the Buddha inside, with the Goddess inside. Try not to listen to the miserable eye, what it, what it wants or what it thinks your life is for. Try to come from what is best in you. There's a deeper call. Then just trying to be happy. Then again, I want to finish with Shantideva, as long as space remains, as long as there are my suffering brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers, children. I too shall remain. 
in order to relieve their pain, to heal, to serve, to contribute. That's why we are here tonight. Insight into Dukkha is a bit difficult. It might lead into a kind of crisis, kind of identity crisis or a crisis of meaning. The deepest level of Dukkha is the constant tension, the constant restlessness deep down, which never goes away, a kind of constant anxiousness, a bit like a bird which is constantly, is someone going to kill me? And, and that, co that tension, that fundamental tension, comes from the dualistic split for, of I and the world out there, I and the other, so this separation, with, which is a hallucination, but nevertheless, this hallucination is, is so fundamentally fucked up, it's... Uh, it's, that's the root cause. So that, that's called ignorance. It's a distortion of reality. And liberation lies in seeing how things are and experiencing that reality is a safe place. So that is uh, so here. No, here of course. Then we then we are already more in the teachings of no self. But but that's the that's the that's this kind of underlying anxiousness or underlying dissatisfactoriness, which is also of course connected with the fear of death because everything what you think you are will be taken away from you in the dissolution of the death process. And something in us, in us constantly re uh, retracts from that openness. We are afraid of that openness, of that 
connectedness. So we constantly kind of this, this, all the time. Even when we are sit here, even if we are kind of relaxed, there is a sense of something is not right. This is not it. This is not it. I'm somehow I'm in the I'm in the wrong place or something like that. So on a more uh, on a more on another level, the insight in dukkha is that and that that's where it becomes difficult because it is contradictory to what we what we believed and somehow still believe and what for for sure our uh, materialistic oriented culture and here materialistic in the sense of you know, wanting to have nice experience and having a lot of good things but also materialistic in a sense of the belief that there's a that that matter exists that there's that these things are made of matter um, so insight into dukkha is to uh, it, First, it, it's admitting, I'm suffering, even if I'm okay. Even if I'm happy, I'm suffering. And, and this is hard to admit, because we are, you know, we are kind of in this, it's good to show that you're happy. It's, it's, it's good. And then to say, I'm miserable. And I'm miserable even when I'm happy. That's it. Um, also, you start to see that you're just wasting your time. And that anything what we did so far is, I wouldn't say a waste of time because you know we learn and we evolve but no experience you know like seeing the mount everest um, having having had that wonderful party having the most amazing sex it's not it's not it it's not going to satisfy you nothing Something in you should rebel against that now. Yeah? Yeah, but, but, or something like that. Yeah? I'm not saying that having a good experience is a bad thing. No. Of course, there's good experiences and more difficult experiences, and we try to have good experiences. And then, from, if, if we make a little shift now in the tantric practice, then we would learn how to use the vitality of good experiences for this. So even from the tantric point of view, where you would not avoid good experience, but actually seek them out, you would still know that the experience itself is not it. But you would use the vitality to do vipassana practice. 
because the more uplifted mind, the vital, more vitality, makes Vipassana practice more powerful than a de- depressed dark mind. It's, it's, you can do it also with a depressed dark mind, no problem, but there is something in having, having, uh, having some, having that energy. Also, it's just more fun. Yeah, and to have a good fun in your in your spiritual practice is is a good thing. Yeah. So it's hard to admit, and uh, it, and it's. It's like, it's so difficult for us to step out of this. It's like, it's, it feels like I'm, I'm the only crazy person. Because, you know, my parents, my grandparents, and my friends, they all think it's about having good experiences. And that's what many people try. They try to arrange their life, their main objective in life is to arrange your life so that you have a lot of good experiences. Good food, good music, nice view, uh, nice touch. And, and, to, and to come to that place and, to, and, and come to that insight, wow, this is, this, this is, it's not going to work out. It's not going to work out. I'm not, I'm not going to find what I'm really deep down seeking in moving around, trying different things, and going there and going here, lying on the beach, and so on and so on. So there, there might be a quite a bit of you know turbulence with coming with that. Also like a loss of meaning. I mean, if you are kind of, you no, know, let, let's say, you know, like you went to kindergarten and then you thought, yeah, but if I'm going to school, then I will be big, and then and then you do the school, and then you think, um, uh, okay, that sucks, but you know, then if I'm 18, I move out, and then I can study, and then and then you realize, wow, this is all, this also sucks. Uh, but you know, then then I I will uh, I will uh, when I'm finished, yeah. And uh, it's it's then also a pity that we miss probably the best time in our life, <laughs> you know, to study. Uh, but so um, because we think you know it it will happen, the thing will happen after. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thing. And it's a hoax. <laughs> like when we are there, we find out it also sucks. And then you do the the career, you know, you're so blah, 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 blah. and then you're sitting on the top in your startup, and it sucks. Basically, I mean, not uh, not denying that there's also wonderful things happening on on that journey. So and then to come to a place where that falls away and you start to realize, wow, this was a hoax. They they fooled me. They fooled me. Here I am and I'm still not satisfied. 
I'm still not home. That can, that can be a bit hard. Pema Shudran calls it the heartbreak with samsara. And, and then if you don't have a kind of stable practice, which, you know, which just continues to run, because you have established wholesome patterns of you know, routine and you know, things to do, then there might be a period where you think it's all meaningless. It's all meaningless. It doesn't matter. It's not going to work out. It doesn't matter what I do. Maybe I maybe the best thing is to kill myself because it's not going to satisfy me. It's not going to work out. So be careful and and be careful, but know that when you seriously enter the awakening process there will be there will be this difficult periods so if you are in this for feeling good better don't do it feeling good in a way like like you know some people they go bowling and some people meditate but it's about the same yeah it's about like of a mix of entertainment and trying to have a nice experience so then and that's fine uh, so it also it's of course this kind of meditation helps but if you go if you go really into shamatha combined with vipassana uh, you will expect you have to expect identity crisis and loss of meaning Because the alternative is not established yet. And then if, the, if there's a lack of faith, I mean, if you have faith in the teachings of the Buddha, then that's no problem. Because then you just, you know, you just continue. But uh, that's uh, a bit difficult for us. We don't have this kind of natural faith into i'm not talking about blind faith obviously but like this natural faith that this is actually a safe refuge a safe direction that this actually works the worst thing you can do in times like that is to stop practicing and that's what some people do because it's not working out they feel not better so they stop practicing But you can't go back. At one point you will notice you can't go back. You can't brainwash you again. You are just on the hook. This is also a terrible moment. It's a terrible moment when you realize this was my last holiday, holiday on Ibiza. <laughs> it's a terrible moment. <laughs> 
and then you try to kind of erase you know <laughs> what you know but it's kind of brainwash yourself with some advertising and no glossy magazines but it's not, it's not going to work wow it's horrible so so that's dukkha um So the insight into dukkha is, you know, it leads into the insight of no self, but there is also this kind of, uh, it kind of, uh, it, it nurtures the passion for freedom. It nurtures the determination to be free, which is like, sometimes it's called renunciation. So renunciation is not giving up the nice things. Renunciation is not to put your, the whole deck of cards onto the nice things, but to put the, the direction into your life, into awakening, into the alter, alternative. So on a conceptual level, you know, that's uh, in the Lam Lam teachings, it's the middle scope teachings, called middle scope teachings, where you uh, reflect on this on a conceptual level, yeah, so there's this six kinds of suffering and eight kinds of suffering and the three kinds of suffering. So you reflect on this on a conceptual level. Here in the Vipassana practice, you don't use the conceptual level. You just look into your experience and you see it yourself. You're not thinking about it. You're just looking. But both have this effect that you, st you, you start to stay in contact what is really important. You start to find a way to live which is meaningful. You start to walk on a safe path and you do it more and more wholeheartedly with, you know, with all your capacity, with all your creativity. And again, this does not mean that we need to necessarily change our life on the outside, but we just look at everything in a different way. How can this facilitate my awakening? Children, relationship, job, whatever it is. So then, no self, anatta. Obviously, that's it. Yeah. So, that's the that's the, that's the precious no self. The experience of no self, anatta. And here. We will also uh, use like conceptual analytical meditations from the Tibetan Buddhist tradition. But here in the Theravada tradition, it's an insight which arises from you just looking. So actually, you don't need to hear the teachings. It's, it's like an insight which arises if you actually do the practice. 
but maybe it's helpful to have a bit of an intellectual understanding. And in the Tibetan tradition, they say, in order to have an insight into no self, you have to have a, uh, an intellectual understanding first. Um, so that's what they say. They, and they put a lot of emphasis on the analytical intellectual understanding of what is called in the Mayana tradition, emptiness. So in the Theravada uh, approach, they talk only about no self. So they talk about the emptiness of the self. Whereas in the Mayana tradition, we talk, we investigate into the, what is called the twofold emptiness. So not only not only you can't find a solid, separate, unchanging self or I here, the same is true there. It's 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 also not as it this the whole this whole moment does not exist in the way it appears to you. So you are wrong. <laughs> wrong, not in in the, in the, in a sense of bad. So you're mistaken. Yeah. So you're mistaken. And in the Theravada tradition, it would they would say. Okay, this is all fine. Yeah. So there's the world, and they have philosophically they they believe into in into atoms and stuff like that. So, but but what they say, what does not exist, is a solid, separate, unchanging I somewhere in the mind-body system. Yeah. Sometimes people use the word ego. That's not good because you know. Mm, it depends, of course, what you when you when you use a word, what what you what you mean with it, what the reference object is of the word. But if you, you know if you were, were uh, use the word ego, then here it's not the ego from Western psychology. That's something else. It's a different thing. And. Uh, and and then you know what comes with with the word ego, for example, in psychodynamic uh, thinking, is something called ego strengths. And ego strengths is, you know, more you awake, more ego strengths you will have. The Buddha has the most healthy and powerful ego strengths. So when people say uh, to destroy the ego or something, that's really bullshit. Uh, first, because even if you use, if you would use ego in a kind of Buddhistic sense, you can't destroy the ego because it does not exist. There is nothing there. Or overcome the ego or something like that. So if you want to use the word ego, then you think about then then. Know that you're not using it in a psychological sense because we need a we need the ego. You need that. You need to actually develop an ego, in in a psychological sense. And and even they they don't talk about a separate solid I. They talk about a network. When they say ego, they don't think about like a control center somewhere. They talk about a network of healthy coping strategies. That's 
what you want to have. And ego strength is the capacity not to be enslaved by any wimpy urge coming up. That's, that's ego strength. And of course, of course, of course that's, that's something you want to, uh, want to develop. So when we talk about no self, we need to be really clear what the object of negation is. Gaksha in Tibetan. So, so we need to be really clear what is that, what does not exist. What is that, what is unfindable? And then, and then you look into your experience. And I'm pretty sure, like 100%, you're not going to find. What are you not going to find? You are not going to find an autonomous, unchanging, singular I. That's what you're not going to find. An autonomous, autonomous means it's like separate. It exists out of itself. It has an essence. It's findable. So that's what autonomous means. Singular means it's one. It's one. When you say I, you're talking about one. And it's unchanging. Like, for example, you might have the sense that the, the body-mind network, which arrived here tonight, the body-mind network, which is an open system, it's not a closed system, so there, there was a body-mind network arriving here, which uh, is an open system. Probably you have a sense that it was you. And that the same you is sitting here now on the chair. And you also have a sense that the same you will go home. And it is that same you which we are going to not find. <laughs> Yeah. We will find a lot of stuff. Yeah. Thoughts, feelings, memories. We will find roles. That's another thing. Of course, you need to have a social self. Of course. And you have a social self. There's nothing wrong with that. And you need to, good, you need to be good at playing with them. And don't bring your professional self home. Be just a mother, not a psychologist. Yeah? So we need a social self. But what we are not going to find is a central position, an unchanging, solid, center position. The I. So that's like... When we say, when we just say I, you know, so I, like we we could say, we could we are saying silly things like, oh, 
I wish I would have a different body. It's so silly to say that. I wish I would have a different body. And this is not just talking. No, when we say, I wish, no, if you follow that, what you actually mean with that, don't look too close, because as soon as you look too close, it's going to vanish. Yeah? But, so one needs to, uh, one needs, to have like a sense of the, of the eye, one needs to be a bit like uh, superficial. Because as soon as you look deeper, that, that's where vipassana, uh, vipassana begins. It's like, you know, it's like uh, trying to catch a soap. Uh, like, you know, it's, it's like it's slipping away. So we could say, we can say, wow, I, I, wish, I wish I would have a different body. Or we would say, I'm out of my mind. I wish I would have a different mind. Uh, so, so that I, that I is unfindable. How does it exist? As merely labels. In other words, you know, you know, merely labeled merely means kind of just, you know, not more. And labeled means uh, it's constructed. It's a mental construction. It's it's a mental process. And that mental process attaches itself to different things. You know, sometimes we feel we are our feelings. Sometimes we feel. We are our memories, sometimes we feel that we are our name, often we feel we are our body, yeah? So, and then, that's interesting, because, you know, I mean, if you have a bit of insight into your inner life, which is good to have, and Vipassana practice will bring you that, because you look at your psyche and, 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 and not your experience then it's easy to say, wow, there seems to be like different personalities. You know? I like to think of it as a, as a spacecraft with a team. Yeah? Uh, so, so there is the, and then, and then, well, it's a stage. It's like a stage and different characters turn off. So there's the five-year-old girl and then comes the 50-year-old mother, and then comes the 50-year-old professional woman, and then comes the, 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 the partner, uh, you know, the lover. The, uh, so, and we don't have any problems with that. We kind of go with that. And the eye kind of, the eye lets go, lets, let, uh, is letting go of the, of the mother, and suddenly she's a little girl and she makes decision and she talks from that place and, and, and it still feels I it still feels I so that mental process of selfing yeah? it's a mental process it's, you know, it's not really a, I don't think it's an English word but you know, let's call it selfing so the mental process of selfing attaches itself to different aspects of our experience and we don't notice it and we feel that that there is a that there is a continuity of an eye 
So this is not, this is a bit of an addition where we will go later, but there might be a sense that the observer is the eye. Okay, there are the different, there's the woman coming up and this one, well, no, there's feelings and thoughts and it's all vibrating, but I am the one who is aware of this, the observer eye. Yeah. So that's, you know, when people start to identify in mindfulness practice, they shift, they go meter, so they shift out of the experience. And they get a really a sense of, wow, I'm not my feelings. That's amazing. It's amazing. I'm not my feelings. Yeah. But then there is an there is a contraction around the observer. And there is a sense that the observer is the singular, permanent, autonomous entity. Kind of the director of the show, or, or the or the observer of the drama of your life, and then of course, if you look there, you don't find the observer. You, you don't find the observer. So that that's. And it's, uh, I mean, just do it. You know, you don't need to believe this. Or something. just, you know, just just look and, okay, who is observing this? Of course, there is an experience right now. You have feelings, you have thoughts, you 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 hear sounds. So and then who's who's the observer? So and then you just look, and you're not going to find. It's it's not that you don't that, that there is nothing there, yeah. So I I. I I will. I want to give that already to you, so that you don't feel. Uh, uh, it's not that there's nothing there. It, it's, uh, but what is not there is a autonomous, autonomous, singular, separate observer. That's not there. And. The mental process of selfing, that's, that's the root cause for your tension and for your reactivity and for your fear. Because you're trying to protect something which does not exist. You're trying to hold something together which does not exist. And this is like, there's so much effort to, you know, to, 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 to try to defend something which does not exist, which is made up. Which is made up through the mental process of selfing. Okay. You don't need more. And, and it's not... I don't think anybody can explain this better to you. I, I don't think so. Yeah. Of course, there's always words, and you know, and maybe if you read something in another language, or but but, but the you know, the the kind of struggle we have with that 
is the struggle of this egoic process trying to keep things together. That the, the, the mental process of selfing will not just say, okay, yeah, that is obvious. That's not going to happen. Yeah. So the teachings, the, the teachings on no self. You know, I mean, if you read one book about it, that's enough. Then you would have enough knowledge, uh, because anyway, this is not about knowledge. Uh, the Theravada Vipassana. This is about just looking into your experience, and this insight will arise as a side effect of looking into your experience. Because if you look into your experience, you will see that it is changing, it is not satisfying you, and it is, mm, it is not you. This is like, this is how it is. You don't need to understand something there. You don't need to rely on any philosophy or any book or you just look. If something is impermanent, you don't need about you don't need to read a book about impermanence. You just look at the thing. 